And welcome into another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. It is Sunday, December 6th, after a wild weekend in Ohio sports, guys. We are ready to recap it all, talk a little bit of college football, get to your responses in uh, some of the OHDMs, responses to the polls, what your thoughts are on the most recent college football playoff polls and, and some of the results over this weekend. But before we get to all that, we have our intros. Of course, I am the talent. I'm the guy that brings you two in. My name's Greg. Some would say I run things around here. Some, some would say I keep you <laughs> I two on the track. I wouldn't. Uh, no. Uh, to my right, though, is a guy who's been giving an up and down effort, has gotten some podcasts canceled, and yet still thinks he's important. Kind of like in the Ohio State of this podcast, <laughs> some people would say. It's Zach. Zach, how are we doing today? <laughs> Nice little low blow there. Look, we got to take we got to take some shots. I mean, you do, you do. And speaking of taking some shots, <laughs> to my left, if you have taken a look at the show in our video segments, a guy who got us some brighter lights around here, even though he might be the last person you want to see on camera. <laughs> it's our producer on the ones and twos. It's Josh. Josh, how are we doing today? Oh man, that was cold, man. <laughs> As cool. warm as these lights are, that was cold. There's a reason he's a producer, right? I guess they don't want him on camera. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is why I mainly work by You know, they camera, say a though. face for radio and yeah, exactly. uh, a face for podcasts. So. But uh, guys, real exciting show we've got around here. First off, to get to the elephant in the room or the hippo in the room as we're about to drink a nice beer in collaboration with the Cincinnati Zoo. Zach, what... Beverage are you enjoying tonight? Oh, thanks. I'm glad I get to plug this tonight. Uh, <laughs> it's a good, nice, uh, ice cold Colt 45. I picked up at the Winton Road Speedway. On oh, the way beautiful. So, uh, legendary spot. Legendary. It's legendary. Um, yeah, it's, it's real tasty. I hope everybody has the opportunity to drink one of these at some point in their life. I know all of us have due to our, he of course lost. One of our 40 bets uh, a few weeks back, Zach and I made a 40 bet about whether or not the Columbus crew would make it to the MLS Cup, and we'll get into that a little I bit more. I forever hate soccer now. After a 1-0 victory over the Revs. Going to the ship. The crew are going to the MLS Cup for the first time since 2015, so that and a lot more coming up. But and Josh... Quick update, actually, oh. real quick for you. So... Our forty bet records. Now that we have a few, uh, I'm zero and three. Yeah, you haven't won Greg. anything. No, no, you're one and three. Oh yeah, that is right. What did you win? Because I got the Browns cover. I gave him. Uh, I gave him. Oh, the you very gave him nice, the cover. Yeah, I gave him the very nice cover. I am. Uh, I believe I'm two and one, two and one yep. so far. And then, you know, you now go to uh, three and one because you also got a victory. In the uh, in the spread bet because we gave you the if yeah, the spread yeah, hit right yeah. on. So, so if, if you're just listening for the first time, we bet uh, on the uh, more grander Ohio sports events, and a loser drinks a malt liquor forty. Yeah, uh, instead so of enjoying instead whatever of enjoying beer, beer of the, of the week, week, they have to enjoy a nice forty ounce of uh, Colt's finest, the Colt forty five. So that's our forty bet. But on a lighter note, Josh, I believe we have a wonderful beer from Listerman's Brewing Company to enjoy. That we do. Let's get to it. Oh, beer of the week. That's awesome. Yeah, how do you do that? That's great. Alrighty, so our beer of the week for this week comes from our friends at Listerman's Brewing Company. 
in Cincinnati, Ohio, Norwood, Ohio, unfortunately, but still a wonderful brewery over there. They collaborated with the Cincinnati Zoom. We figured with the Crosstown shootout this weekend, a lot of Cincinnati action. We would do this beer. It is the Team Fiona New England style IPA. Of course, honoring uh, Cincinnati's favorite hippo, Fiona, the uh, prematurely born hippo that uh, was the media darling for quite a while. So uh, this New England style IPA by Listerman is a uh, IPA brewed with Citra and Centennial hops. Uh, it's 5.8% ABV, and uh, Josh and I, Josh and I, will be the ones enjoying this today. <laughs> Fortunately, Zach has to. Uh, deal with the results of his poor bet going against the crew to re- reach the MLS Cup so he is enjoying a nice Colt 45. It's delicious. Bummer. Just slightly less. 5.6 ABV. But, you know, the taste is just the flavor is so strong. <laughs> oh, I bet. I <laughs> bet. I've been there The last a time times. I had one of these, I got profusely sick at a party. So yeah. We look forward to it. Fingers crossed that that doesn't happen again. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's uh, we're only a little little more than the Colt 45. This is more of a sessionable IPA uh, with Team Fiona, and yeah, Listerman, right across the street from the campus of uh, the winners of the shootout today. I but believe. if you want to stay away from that gross ass campus and want to have a nice beer, uh, Team Fiona or any of the Listerman brew, they actually had a Cincinnati Chili Stout, which I tried once, which was. A very interesting beer. They had some, I'm sure. Some interesting Whoa. choices. But this IPA, I think, uh, I don't know about you, Josh. I'm a big fan of uh, New England IPAs. This one's very on style. You can get the nice citra blend coming off. Not too hoppy, but just hoppy enough. I think it's a fantastic beer. And I know it's one of those, you know, brewed with the zoo for Fiona. Maybe sometimes you think it's kind of a throwaway because it's one of those special brews, but right. this one is actually very, very good. No, and like you said, it's on point with the Citra and Centennial hops. You know, you get the more of the citrus and less of the bitterness from the hops. Um, Fiona turning four years old. Four years old next month. No, what I was going to say, I thought it was, I, I was going to say just talking out my ass, which I never do on this show. No, absolutely uh, not. That it was like 2018 when she was born and all that stuff was going on, but man, it's Four years ago, I mean, she has turned four into... Four years plus the four years from this year. I mean... Jeez. Huh? Yeah, well, because this year has been such a long so year. Long. I mean, it's been and at least four years, years this year, so... <laughs> but, you know, if you want to see a winner, go to the zoo, see Fiona, and then stop by and see the one-year-old Lucille the Bearcat, uh, a winner at the heart above anything else. Beautiful. But what else is beautiful, honestly, is this Team Fiona... IPA, it's got that nice, so the one thing about the New England IPA, if uh, those of you that aren't familiar with it, it's almost got that like orangey wheat color, but it's cloudy, and that's really the staple of the New England IPA. It's not as dark as some of the regular IPAs you might see, but it's got that signature haziness, and I think this meets all the requirements, you know, fits, checks all the boxes, everything for the New England IPA, and also tastes fantastic, so. Yep, it's very on point. Definitely a big fan. And uh, hope this is something that's not just a short-time brew, but uh, follows the lifespan of uh, Cincinnati's Darling Fiona because it's a great beer. With Greg. On Saturday, the Buckeyes keep rolling, coming back from a two-week hiatus to crush the Michigan State Spartans 52-12. The Buckeyes showed no rust and clinched yet another berth in the Big Ten Championship, this time versus Northwestern. 
In Cincinnati, the Bearcats were off but get ready to face Tulsa in back-to-back -back weeks for their final regular season game in the AAC Championship. In the NFL, the Browns got off to a, heart, to a hot start but were able to just hold on versus the Tennessee Titans to get to nine wins in the team's first winning season since 2007. Baker had an awesome first half, throwing for four touchdown passes in the first half, being the first Browns QB to throw for four touchdown passes in a half since Otto Graham in 1954. <laughs> oh, man. In Cincinnati, well, actually in Miami, the Cincinnati Bengals dropped yet another game, 19-7, to the Miami Dolphins to fall to 2-9-1 in a wild game that featured more than half a dozen ejections in two different fights with punches thrown. And finally, the crew were going to the cup. Columbus defeated the New England Revolution 1-0 to get to their first MLS Cup final since 2015, thanks to a 59th minute goal by Artur. Have fun drinking a 40, Zach. Oh, and I guess there was some kind of cross-down shootout today. Cincinnati lost 60, or 77-69, who cares? It's not a real year of basketball, <laughs> unless UC does well in the tourney. And those are your OH headlines. Moving into our first segment of the show, we have Who You Got, where we actually outsourced a little bit of Who You Got. We asked our listeners during this week a few questions, a few polls, at 30 Rack of Sports on Twitter, uh, what they thought of uh, some of the playoff rankings. Who was getting some respect? Who was getting too much respect? Who was getting the disrespect? And uh, our first question was, which outsider has the best shot into the college football playoff? Um, our responses were Cincinnati, BYU, Texas A&M, and Florida. This was during the middle of the week, previous to any of the results this weekend. So our results, believe it or not, maybe slightly on the Cincinnati bias, had yeah. Cincinnati at 78%, uh, tie for BYU and Texas A&M at 12% each, and then Nobody respecting Kyle Trask and no, the Gators. Not at no, all. No, no shocking. No respect. You guys. Do people watch college football. Yeah, you guys don't aren't watching the SEC. I mean, obviously. Not that I am. I mean, but. I'm not like all in on Florida, but I mean, kids balled out. I mean, they're smart enough to know Cincinnati though. Best shot in. I mean, I mean, twelve percent said BYU, and they they dropped the game to the Chanticleers. Chanticleers. And A&M struggled there for a little bit. Right, a but who is buying off. BYU though? Nobody. Clearly not the committee. Well, 12% of people yeah. thought that they, what the hell? Well the, well, the one thing is, I think a lot of people got a little bit too, you know, enthralled in the fact that Zach Williams was putting up some video Wilson. game numbers. Zach, sorry, Zach Wilson was putting up some video game numbers. BYU was killing a bunch of teams, but you look at it. They weren't it's playing like, anybody. They weren't playing anyone. Their one ranked win was over a Boise State team on their third-string quarterback, and a couple of their close wins. They had a, club, a couple of close games over like a bad UTSA team. We watched that game, and just some teams that weren't very good. And you could tell BYU's a solid team. Like they're a top twenty-five team. Like no, I, I don't think anyone would question uh, that. Yeah, but they're not a playoff team. So I'm sorry, that's absurd. All right, All so right. the other, you can say 12% and then 0% having, 12% having A&M. And honestly, I, don't get that. I know A&M beat Florida. That was early. But 
one, it was at home. I think Florida's a better team. Oh, yeah. A&M's best wins are, uh, or their best win is Florida at home. They beat Vanderbilt by five. <laughs> they beat, I mean, I know they beat Auburn on the road, but they beat a pretty bad Auburn team. Like, Bo Nix has been crap this year. And they beat Auburn by eight points. They just don't have a whole lot. Florida, I mean, they tie, They were tied with a bad Vandy team at half. They beat. They only beat Tennessee by 12, but they beat Georgia on the road. You know, they played an A&M team pretty well at – or played A&M pretty well on the road. Haven't gotten killed by anyone like A&M's gotten killed. I think A&M hasn't really looked impressive aside of maybe one game against South Carolina this entire season. Yeah, and South Carolina just fired their coach. So. Yeah. Uh, I guess I guess the yeah. Florida game at home and then the South Carolina. Oh no, yeah, game. but I mean, but aside of that, and then I mean, you take a look at Cincinnati. I understand that they don't quite have the the name brand teams that they're playing, but they've only had one game decided by less than two touchdowns, they're and big. that was UCF by three. And, and if I they think- were to play some of these teams like Ole Miss that has no defense, Mississippi State right. that can't do anything, oh yeah, Arkansas that is Felipe Franks. Vanderbilt, which is an absolute mess. Like, I'd expect to see them with one or zero losses. Vanderbilt too. fired their coach too. Well, and I mean, yeah. you look at look at this. They're in the top seven. There are three teams that have played teams with winning records: Clemson, Notre Dame barely by one game, right, and Cincinnati. So when you're looking at you know the competitive balance there, Cincinnati's not playing bad teams. No, they're playing good. They're teams. Playing competitive teams. Yeah, those are BYU and A and M. The the one issue that I have the most with the Cincinnati thing is when you play in a small conference, usually what happens is you need style points. And they've yeah. gotten all the style points. Oh, yeah. And the problem yeah. with an A and M or a Florida is you don't because you play Alabama, you don't need those style points. And it's like if if it were a regular season right. and Cincinnati beat Vanderbilt by five points. That close of a game would be held against Cincinnati for the rest of the season. Oh, it would. Yeah. You're, and you're they're exactly not even right. talking about it. No, I mean A and M makes no sense. They're you're right. They're they're in there because Florida. But I don't get people like Florida getting nothing and then A and M getting twelve. I don't think A and M doesn't really have a shot. Let's be real here to get in unless they beat Bama, which my God, well, no A&M, way. A and M already beat Bama, so Florida would have to. I mean. I don't even know if Florida gets beat and then there's a bunch of K. I guess if Florida gets beat, maybe Ohio State loses or Notre Dame. Oh, sorry, blows I out, was like at the wrong schedule. Blows yeah. out Clemson, or I'm yeah, Notre Dame blows out Clemson. Like maybe they're the sixth seed, but if you're a playoff committee, like would you? I guess maybe if you take money out of the equation, because obviously that's a. If, would you rather see A and M play Alabama again, who they got blown out against, right? Or a Cincinnati team that it's like. Maybe they're scrappy. And you know what? If they get blown out, there have been every year. a handful of blowouts. Every year. The oh, there is. Every year there is. There is. And I, like, I would say if there's anybody who's going to do it or any power, non-power five is going to make it in, why wouldn't they, this would be the year? I don't think Florida gets in as a one loss. No. You know, non-champion. I don't think A&M does. A&M's out, in my opinion. They don't have a chance because Bama's getting in. Notre Dame's a lock, in my opinion, unless they just get, like, trounced or something by Clemson. And then Clemson, assuming they'll beat Notre Dame, which is my assumption, probably everybody's, will get in. And I think if Ohio State plays out, they, yeah. now if Clemson loses again, 
that opens up that. So that's probably the scenario we're talking about here. Right. So you probably move Ohio State to three, I guess. But then, yeah, I still, I just, I can't wrap my head around putting either of those teams in. I think yeah. that's the that's the situation where you, if Cincinnati, assuming Cincinnati wins out. Yeah. Well, also, I mean. I mean, I'm just saying because they have to play. Um, yeah. I mean, you could have Ohio two State. Tulane twice. That's tough. Tulsa. Tulsa. Tulsa, Tulsa sorry. Tulsa. Yeah. I mean. I mean, you could have Ohio State dropping, of course. They still have to play Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship. Well, so I guess, so. I guess let's. They, let's only get beat, to, they only beat Indiana by seven. Let's not. Uh, you know, you let's get to enough. that question right. then. Yeah, so then our second question, out of all the teams most likely to drop out, I think I'm going to have probably the same qualm that, that Zach has here. Uh, out of the votes, 80% said Ohio State. This was also two weeks ago, so a little bit more time on this. Yeah. But 80% Ohio State, 20% Clemson, and then 0% Notre Dame and Alabama. And I think Notre Dame only has a game against Clemson. I don't think they're dropping out unless they get absolutely massacred. Alabama, right. I don't see them dropping out. No. So it's, I mean, it's probably Ohio State and Clemson, and I would probably say, I, I think Ohio seventy thirty Clemson Ohio State. But like, really, I I no, I I don't have any. I don't disagree with this one at all. I think Ohio State is in the more precarious situation. Well, also, I guess they have the. Playing enough games, so that's that's, that's what I'm thing. thinking. Yeah. Playing enough games, and I think Clemson's gonna beat Notre Dame, unless I'm wrong. I mean, I, I don't. I don't think Notre should, Dame has a shot in hell of winning that game. To be honest with you, um, the the only thing that I've seen is that Clemson's defense oh, it, has been shaky at times. Yeah. It has, and I think that's one of those things where sometimes Clemson gets out to a slow start if their defense plays like crap. If they play a game like they do like they did against Boston College. Right. Right. That's Notre Dame's not gonna look But them back but my game. my that's Brent Venables. I would not want to face he has he's already faced you once. He's seen everything you're gonna throw at him. I would I don't know. I trust I think I think they'll come out fired up. Yeah. In my opinion. Oh but. I, I I mean, if you had to say who are the top four who are the four teams getting into the playoffs, I would say the four teams that are in there right now. Right, right. If I had to pick a team to drop out, unless Ohio State gets screwed with the scheduling, oh, I they just yeah. uh, they're gonna kill. If they have to play Michigan, they're gonna kill Michigan, and I think they're gonna have the same issue that Northwestern has with them every time when they have a decent team. Is that Ohio State has too many athletes? Right. So I mean, I don't I, see them losing. So that that would be that would be the if, only reason why I would pick Clemson. It's just because if we're working under that assumption that Ohio State gets seven games and, and wins, right? And you saw them, they have yeah, to win. I, if we're assuming that. That's their best chance because, I mean, right. That's, that's fair. Right now, yeah. they, I mean, their opponents have nine wins that they've played right now. Mm-hmm. That's it. So if they play Michigan and they play Northwestern and that whole scenario carries out their opponents' record 17 and 15, they're a little bit more of a competitive team have a little bit better of a resume, and they're yeah. a lock-in, I think. But right. anything outside of that is in jeopardy, I think. And I know Big Ten is talking about changing up the rule. I can't. I'm not even a fan of that. And even if they yeah. do, yeah, I'm not a fan of it. Even if they do, I still think they're a risk at not making that. You know, Does the committee take that into consideration that they had to change the whole rule around right. to get them That's in? That's fair, yeah. I mean, I agree. It, it depends on what we're working with. Is that the committee's ways? I think, well, I feel like the committee has changed their their thought to get people in because yeah. yeah. I think they used to value conference championships until Alabama got shafted from the SEC championship by Auburn, and then they made their way in. And I mean, they yeah. won the national championship, but it's like you, they had standards that they had done until the standards don't work anymore. The standard is the standard until it's not the standard anymore. Yep. Yeah. No, you're right. Yeah, I mean, no. those are the two most likely – our listeners are uh, 
hoping for the Bearcats and worried about the Buckeyes, though. And they should be. Typical Ohio. Uh, Typical Typical Ohio fans. Typical Ohio. But, uh, I mean, we'll take a look. You probably have some more polls coming up at 30 Racket Sports on Twitter. As we start to wind down the rest of this college football season, only two weeks of games left. So, you know, uh, Ohio State has hopefully Michigan and then uh, Northwestern and then uh, UC looks to have back-to-back games at Tulsa, then home versus Tulsa. So some interesting games coming through. Ohio State just needs help to be able to make sure they, they can play some games. Cincinnati needs some help for some teams to lose. And uh, we'll see what all happens. But the one thing that we're sure of is that it's, that it's going to be a fun last two weeks of this college football season. Uh, we're talking the Crosstown shootout. Why? I, I don't know. I don't really care. Uh, UC Cincinnati Bearcats dropped Crosstown shootout 77-69 to uh, Xavier. Outscored 19-7 to in the last 7 minutes and 13 seconds. Um, allowed 51% shooting, which is very uncharacteristic of a UC team. Um, shot 5 of 21 from 3. So after this game, Xavier, who has played six games, believe it or not, goes to 6-0. and UC, who's only played two games, which matters, mm-hmm. falls to 1-1. Uh, one and one. Josh, I know you and I were watching the game together. Um, takeaways from this game, aside of uh, this season doesn't count. I've got, three, I've got three takeaways from the game, but first, I do want to say I enjoyed watching the game with you. There was a moment where we were at the end where we were both uh, pacing around uh, your living room, and uh, I got that, my steps in for the day. That's that's very typical so, for me in a UC yeah, game. So. Yeah, you got like a little track in your carpet going. You should watch out for that. But uh, three uh, three reasons UC lost today, I think. Uh, they missed important uh, bonus free throws. They missed the front end of two one-and-ones late in the game. Uh, Keith Williams missed three free throws over, overall. Second reason, they were outshot, only 23% from uh, three-point range. While Xavier was forty percent, and they were outscored nineteen to seven with seven minutes left in the game. Third reason, quite simply, this was Xavier's sixth game, like you said, Greg. UC's second with, and UC fans can't forget this. Kind of a, a lot of new pieces. Brandon's first year working with all his pieces. A lot of new things going on for the Cincinnati Bearcats, where they haven't gotten to practice a lot. This is only their second game. Not making excuses, but unfair to not take that into account um i i would go on that and say the two things that really surprised me were on the defensive end and some of that does have to go with practice and some of that does have to go with you know being familiar with each other and maybe having a cohesive defense but uh you know xavier slashed 51 percent field goals 39% 39% from three, 80% from the free throw line. Oh, yeah. And outshot UC from the free throw line by, they had 10 more free throws. So when you let someone do that, you're going to lose more often than not. The other one that I think is, is more indicative of the game and more indicative of the struggles that UC had and the successes that Xavier had, Xavier was 13 of 13 on shots at the rim. UC was 13 of 23. So every time Xavier got to the rim, it was basically a free bucket. Occasionally they would get fouled, and maybe they'd miss a foul shot. But you're at least looking at 
you're probably looking at every time Xavier went to the rim, they were probably getting a point and a half to a point and three quarters per possession. That can't happen. No. Some of that comes from practice and rotations and whatnot, and some of that comes from defensive effort. And I think at the end of the day, that's something that you just can't have happen. So let me ask you this, Greg. Is, is, is Chris Vogt lacking? Is Chris Vogt a part of that problem right now? Yeah. Because, yeah. because when you look at, and we talked about, could Chris, Chris Vogt redeem himself from last year's poor perform, performance in the Crosstown shootout? Uh, no steals, no blocks. Uh, he had eight points, uh, but you know, only two rebounds. You know, from your main big guy, that's pretty lackluster. So I think the one issue that UC might have at certain points, and especially against more athletic teams, is they're starting kind of the, the twin towers in, in Rap, Rapolis, Ivanowskis, and uh, Invoked in the middle. They're two taller guys, a little bit slower. Voked is 7-1, where when you get him on offense, especially against Xavier, you could see him when he – doesn't get any help defense, or when Xavier doesn't get any help defense, he abuses them in the paint. He'll get right to the paint, get to his left hand, right hand, lay the ball in. But on defense, they're late in rotations, not always getting their hands up, and a lot of times they're getting beat to the basket. And when you're a guard and you get beat to the basket and then you get no help from your big men, then that affects the way you play defense, allows them to shoot some more threes, and then they started to have more success from the three-point line as the game goes on. So at the end of the day, I know they don't have a whole lot of depth up front, especially right now. Mamadou Diara, he came in for, for rap late in the game. He was basically a net negative coming through. Eason is a positive, but also still playing his second game collegiately as a freshman. Right. So that's kind of an issue. I was surprised that he got the 15 minutes that he did, but but that's just a testament to... Some of the issues that they had on defense, they right. weren't. There was no defensive rotation, right. and that's not something you know. And the depth right now with, is young. Yeah, playing with Huggins and Cronin, sometimes the offense wasn't as pretty as you wanted to, and there were dirt, certainly some decent offensive sets, and certainly some of it is just getting some shots up. You know, I don't think they're going to shoot. I mean, right now through two games, they're nine of forty-three from three. I don't think that's going to keep up. No. I think that's knocking some rest off. No exhibition games. Started the season kind of late compared to some other teams. I don't expect to see that. But you're going to have to play better defense. And you're going to have to get more cohesive defense and figure things out and get these two big guys in the middle a lot better. Because it, you have two tall guys in the middle, and if they're not affecting shots at the rim then they're basically useless on defense because they're not going to be guys that are going to jump out and you know guard the three-point line very right. effectively. So if they're not guarding the paint, then, then what's the point here? Yeah, 18 points between the two of them, but nothing, nothing really to show for it on defense. I guess the thing that surprised me today is the, uh, the free-throw shooting was, was not good, and that was the one thing that I was expecting. They were actually good early. They were 9-9 yeah, nine nine to were, start, and then yeah. late they just... Yeah, I mean, overall, they really didn't do that bad. They 66%, but yeah, trailed off at the end. I mean, Xavier went to the line a lot more often than UC did, but you had Scruggs, Johnson, and Griffin go 12 for 12. That's three guys that went perfect from the line. Um, only uh, DDJ, DeJulius, was uh, a perfect from the line for the Bearcats going four for four. I mean, 
I was not expecting the bear. I, I guess I was expecting the one thing to be consistent and practiced. And if you're going to be a scrappy team, you have to be able to make your free throws. Yeah. yeah, so, it's, yeah. Zach, what was your, what was your kind of biggest disappointment slash takeaway of this game? I wanted to go a little positive. I think there's positive things to look at. Absolutely. <clears throat> I mean, when you lose a when you lose a big rivalry game, I think. No, I I agree, but I think bouncing, being positive, bouncing out the six games for Xavier, second game for UC. Anybody's played basketball knows huge difference. Huge difference in the way you're feeling, you're shooting. I mean, I think there's some positives. You're just looking pure stat sheet especially a little in a bit. Game, but especially in a year where you don't play the exhibition. So you're looking at like right, you didn't definitely get your like two to three game. exhibition games yeah. you normally get. Um, I think, you know, like the shots, I think, like you guys were pointing out, hitting on some of the stuff, you know, Xavier was 25 of 49. 40, so they got 49 shots off. I'll you normally take that if you think a little better defensive effort, a little more cohesion in the middle. That should be lower. But, you know, you see you got 64 shots off. Yeah, that's I, that's a positive, okay. And you think that some of those are gonna go in? That's some rust knocking off. Um, and then yeah, the free throw shooting, yeah. But you know, re- they out rebounded. Um, I mean, yeah, you they def- had nineteen assists, um, and they won the turnover battle, twelve yeah, to eight. You so. definitely yeah, I think, saw I the regular the, positives. For I the think Bears. the yeah. biggest think. thing that is a positive, and I'm glad you you pointed out because I was I was gonna go to was. They had more shots than Xavier. So I think some of it is in the past you would say, yes, we have more shots, but our offense is garbage, and that doesn't mean a whole lot. With Cronin, yeah. <laughs> I think the one thing is rust and making shots, and then I think the two biggest things are defensive rotations and shooting, and both of which mm-hmm. get better with time. And I think, you know, if this is if they were to play again in March, or, you know, maybe not – you know, tournament because who knows how UC's yeah. been in this. But if they were, if this game would have taken place, because sometimes in previous years it had taken place in, you know, January, February. If this was a game that was, you know, February 1st, I'd probably take UC in a rematch. Just because I think at their best, UC's better. But today, I think Xavier was able to execute their game plan better. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there was just times on defense, kind of like you said, Zach, where they just. It didn't. There was no cohesion. I think mm-hmm. is the word you use, and they just didn't really uh, know how to execute what they were supposed what they were supposed to be doing, especially in a lot of their zone uh, packages. But you know that just it'll come with time. I mean, you you have uh, Keith Williams and Chris Vote who regularly played with each started with each other last year. Sometimes Micah Adams Woods usually off the bench. But other than that, a lot of these guys are, you know, starting together for their first time. Yeah, they have two that's transfers. Gonna, yeah. yeah, that's going to take time. And then when your when your bench is young, mm-hmm. you know, happens. Second game, not uh, not a lot of teams can say their second basketball teams, especially can say their second game of the season was their big rivalry. Right, and I so, think what John Brandon did at NKU last year at UC. He's a good coach. He knows what he's doing. It takes a little bit of time. And right. I, I really think the big indicator is how many – that's a big difference, six to two games. That's yeah. That's a lot of what you're asking and guys to get into the flow. Especially with and the truncated type of games practices, Xavier is off season, a weird yeah. offseason. Xavier's dug themselves into some holes. So mm-hmm. I think they definitely – and it goes to show what outscoring the Bearcats 19-7 to seven with seven minutes left. Xavier's been in that situation for – 
a handful of their first six yeah. games. Yeah, and I, so I would say even taking a look at you know obviously Northern Kentucky, it's tough when you play when you're at those lower major schools because you start off rough because a lot of those teams you know you're playing right SEC <laughs> ACC teams a lot exactly. Oh, but even last year at Cincinnati, you could see the growth in the team as the year went on, and I think he's in the unique situation where you know last year he came into a situation not really late but maybe a little bit later because you know it took a little bit after the season for Cronin to leave uh came in late had to work with a bunch of new guys was able to get the Cincinnati team better without their best player you know being at 100 percent most of the season in Jaron Cumberland this year Weird practice schedule. Once again, a bunch of new guys. I mean, what, four new fresh or five new freshmen, I think. Yeah. Two transfers that are in the starting lineup. So a lot of guys getting minutes that aren't quite used to it. You know, I believe probably two of the top or three of the top four scores being gone from last year, you know, in the Cumberlands. Um, so a whole lot to kind of rework in there. There, Sorry, the Cumberlands and Trey Scott. But a whole lot to rework there. And I would expect to see this team in a better spot. It's just a shame that this game happened two games in the UC season and six games in the Xavier season. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, Fremantle and Scruggs played well. Um, you know, they played a good game and everything. And uh, that's, I think, now uh, seven of ten of the past Crosstown shootouts that Xavier has taken, uh, two and one for Travis Steele. So the Bearcats... Uh, I, I hate that they. I hate that we moved the shootout into December. Um, yeah. But at, at, you know, this year it was a very, it was a classic, entertaining crosstown shootout, and I'm just glad we got to play it. Yep. Well, I guess we'll be following. Probably not Xavier because we're not a Xavier podcast. Ooh. But at least you see, <laughs> and the rest of the fun uh, college basketball programs Big from the Ohio State, Ohio yeah, State, uh, probably third I mean, ranked, but guys. The Maction, of course. The Maction. Mac, Mac always has some good basketball. Uh, we'll get we'll get to some some Mac yeah. basketball in my shout out. But, Kent uh, State took Virginia to overtime this yeah, weekend. Yeah, ah, so that, that yeah. and a whole lot more coming up through the rest of the season. College basketball just getting started, and I'm sure we're all excited about it. And now, Zach's reciting of the con. Fiona's story. Now three years old, Fiona weighs more than 1,400 pounds. She's come a long way after being born six weeks premature at only 29 pounds. The smallest hippo to ever survive, she still needs to gain about a ton to catch up with Bibi, her 3,500-pound mom. Fun fact, guys. The word hippopotamus comes from a Greek word meaning river horse. That's a big horse. That's a big that's a big horse. I don't know how the Greeks had horses back then, but that is a huge horse. This is a, a great can and a great uh great collaboration. Uh team team Fiona. Everybody's team Fiona. If you're not team Fiona, well frankly you have issues, I think. But But don't get too close to Fiona. Because of course, as you're familiar with, the sixth most most dangerous animal in the world, hippos. Hippos kill about 500 people a year. Oh, they're mean as shit. Get that thing on the offensive line. Uh, male hippos can get close to 3,000 kilograms. Which is how many pounds, Greg? We're not. Uh, yeah, we are like in America. Six, probably, well, it's 2750, so probably about 6,000 pounds. Oh. Right on. If Thanks. you're one of those right people that conversion. don't know how to do, you know. 
basically. Why? We live in America, Greg. Yeah, come on. <laughs> Why? We're, Fiona's an American citizen hippo. Run the American hippo citizen. citizen hippo. Yeah, you were going to say what kind of hippo she may or may not be. Run the be. imperial system, Greg. Get over it. I'm going to name my band that citizen hippo. Citizen, citizen hippo. awesome. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, L- Listerman, they also have that home brew shop right there. I've never been to it, oh, but I've great. heard it's awesome. It's great. You, it? They have their own, uh, yeah, you can get your, your malts, your hops, everything. You can. They have the grinders in the back, so you can grind up your... Your malts and everything, get it all ready to go. Everything you need, if you're interested in getting into the home brewing scene, you can get at the uh, at the home brewer shop. Or also, if you have a home brewer in the family, I've done this several times. Gift cards for the home brewer. Oh, no, there you go. So, there you go. Christmas. Always fun. Christmas. But uh, yeah, this is the second uh, different release of Team Fiona. So the old one had a green label on the can. This one has a nice purple label with Fiona. Mouth wide open right in the middle, sh- showing off the the hippo look. And uh, Can hippos see fan. color? I don't know. They, know. I know they purple? do the little thing where they like paint their snouts and whatever, mm-hmm. and then they give them the watermelon, and then they like, oh, yeah. paint yeah. on it, and they sell the paintings. So maybe they can mm-hmm. see color. Good for her. Disposable income. There you need, go. Need hey. that at the Cincinnati Zoo. Yeah, especially with the cocoa going around. So, uh, yep. you know. Well, be sure to support... Team Fiona, Cincinnati Zoo, and our pals at Listerman Brewing Company by checking out Team Fiona and the rest of the wonderful beer selection at Listerman's. All right, guys, what's brewing in Ohio? Hoppin' Frog up in uh, up Ooh, in the Akron. I love Hoppin' Frog. Hoppin' Frog Brewery. Uh, they recently won an award at the European Beer Star 2020 competition in Nuremberg, Germany. Dang. Whoa. Yeah, all the way across the pond. Uh, there were more than 2,000 beers submitted for this competition from 42 countries. Wow. Medal winners come from 28 countries. And guys, Hoppin' Frog Brewery from Akron, Ohio, USA. Dang. Putting us on the map. Uh, on the what? On the map. <laughs> on the map. <laughs> on the map. Uh, they took That's gold. Austrian. Gold for a chorus. I guess is how you would say it, which is an abbreviation for uh, the Quasher Quadruple Oatmeal Imperial Stout. It was entered in the Ultra Strong Beer category. Uh, they also won bronze for their Infusion A. Very delicious sounding peanut butter <laughs> chocolate coffee porter in the Urban Spice category. Uh, that's a uh, chorus. The one that won gold is a uh, part of a line of Imperial Stouts. It comes in at a... Fifteen point seven percent ABV, so good for Hoppin' Frog putting Ohio on the map over in Germany. Uh, I understand that's a very prestigious competition, yeah. so good for them. Yeah. Also, just a shout out to one of my favorite Hoppin' Frog beers back in a few years ago when LeBron came home. The King Gosa Home. Nice. Imperial Gosa was an absolute mm. delight of a beer. Mm. That I apologize good. for just like coughing. Yeah, this Colt 45. Yeah, did you choke on that Colt 45? Just enjoying the Colt 45. Look, Paying sometimes you gotta enjoy the Colt 45. Well, um, other big news, and it's going on right now uh, through December 12th. Ohio Craft Beer or the Ohio Craft Brewers Association, they're having an online auction called the Experience Auction, and you can basically go on and bid at 32auctions.com you can also find it at ohiocraftbeer.org 
and you can go and bid on cool things. Um, like you can uh, let Fathead's Brewery take you to uh, Progressive Field. Uh, whoa. Uh, you can uh, develop and name a beer brewed by Urban Artifact. You can take a bike tour of five Akron breweries with uh, the great Missing Falls Brewery in Akron. Uh, you can even get on a boat ride down the Tuscarawas River with the team from Wooly Pig Farm Brewery. Wow. If you're in a band, you could get uh, a beer at Fretboard Brewery. Here in Cincinnati, you could get a beer named after your band. Uh, excuse cool. me. So many things. You're missing one from... Uh, one of my favorite breweries in the state, Urban Artifact, develop a pilot-sized batch of beer. Ooh. Uh, following their, their niche, so some sour or Epicurean beers, so you could get your own Urban Artifact beer. That's which would awesome. Be unbelievable. Once uh, again, one of my favorite breweries. Streetside Brewing uh, here in Cincinnati that we've had, uh, had on the show, you can create your own infusion keg with them. There's, there's so much... Uh, there's a... Uh, uh, Barrel Age Christmas Ale stuff you can do. Uh, 50 West Brewery has a 50 West Adventure you can bid on. Uh, looking like a hot commodity there. Uh, virtual Beers and Songwriting Session. There's there's so many things. A Ghost Hunt at the Phoenix Brewery. There's plenty of things on here. It's at 32auctions.com or you can find it at ohiocraftbeer.org. Uh, and they're having this because, you know, a lot of their events and festivals that they would normally have, uh, they can't really do this year, what with uh, COVID and all. Uh, so they rely on that to, you know, help all the independent brewers in Ohio, give them, you know, classes, uh, fight for legislation, uh, and facilitate collaborations, um, like the collaboration between Listerman and Cincinnati Zoo. So, hey, uh, Josh, do you have a thousand bucks I could borrow? Uh, I I don't have a thousand dollars. Um, there are some things that I'm quite interested in on here, but yeah, they're going hot. So get on there. Uh, this all goes to the Ohio Craft Brewers Association for a good cause, guys. That's what's brewing in Ohio. All right, we now move on to our second segment that was decided by the fans of the podcast. It was our OHDMs where we posted another poll. Also got some responses based on said poll. We had, uh, once again, going back to the college football playoff, we had the worst atrocity of the committee so far. So uh, the four choices were uh, 31% BYU at number 14, number, uh, number two at 22%. Actually, the last three were tied at 22%. Ohio State behind Clemson, UC below Texas A&M, and Indiana below Georgia, all at 22%. Also, Josh, I believe we had a comment by our, by our pal, Tra2. Yeah, uh, Tra? Uh, the, the Smoky Mango is what he's called. Uh, he said, what? as an extremely biased OSU fan, Indiana behind Georgia is just laughable. He also accused Georgia of starting a quarterback for seven weeks that was a 5'10", I quote, 510 Loghorn, Foghorn Leghorn ass, unquote. I say, I say, I say, I that's say, a I'm joke, not. son. <laughs> Wait, can we go back? What is his name on there? Uh, Smoky Mango. <sighs> I've never smoked a mango before, but I'm sure it's That makes one of us. <laughs> oh, wow. Good for you. Good for you. 
I think our listeners did a good job with this one, though. I mean, it's pretty spread out. A lot of yeah. This one was also uh, before the BYU yeah. lost to Coastal, so I think BYU being an undefeated team, fourteen. How many Mormons do we have listening to this show? What's with this BYU apparently. stuff? Have four, they were fine at fourteen. I had no issues with that. You're welcome. Really? Here. You're welcome here, by the way. Really? I mean, we'll take you. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Now I, I love you. I, the I amount guess. of Mormons that I would think would listen to a beard podcast, I would think would be low. But you know what? Anybody? Hey, Thirty Rack is an inclusive show. We are. We're very inclusive. I apologize. We're someone's. <laughs> we're someone's. To, I was we're just, someone's sin now. We are, yeah. Now, (laughs) if you're not with our pals in Provo saying BYU at 14 was laughable, I I agreed. I thought they should have been higher. Obviously, that was disproven when they lost to the Chanticleers. Or should the Chanticleers be higher? I mean, the Chanticleers should be higher. The Myrtle Beach fighting Chanticleers. I mean, I think they shot up to number 11 in the AP poll, if you still care about that today. So... uh, Nobody does. No. <laughs> Zach, if you're if you're not a fan of BYU at 14, yeah. you're probably with one of the groups at 22%. OSU behind Clemson, UC below A&M, or IU below Georgia. What's the largest atrocity to you? God, that's hard. Um, I would go UC behind A&M. I think that's I the correct answer. So uh, yeah, that no, one. yeah, there's technically not a correct answer. It's an opinion poll, but uh, it's not I, an opinion. Poll. I would go, you know, like we we kind of already hit on that. I nothing impressive about A and M. I think you see, I think I think the American gets a bad rap as a conference. Yes, it really does. No I think respect. you know it. It's a pretty solid conference overall, and they week to week played solid com- competitive and, football teams. And in the, I mean, in bowls in recent years, like Memphis lost, but they kept it competitive. Right. Obviously, UCF's beaten Auburn, like. Yeah. They've beaten mm-hmm. higher conference teams. You know, UC beat an ACC team last year pretty handily. So I don't exactly understand the disrespect when they've shown that, at least in bowl games, I understand that's not the greatest metric, but right. non-con and bowl games, they've been very successful against some of the I mean, high-tier I mean, I would go close, power conference. close to IU behind Georgia at two loss. SEC again, Georgia not impressive. I was yeah, bit. that that was pretty bad. I Georgia, thought. yeah, they if had. If I had the, to vote on this one, I I might go with that's that. That's probably over the maybe more what I lean down. Those would be my top two. Honestly, yeah, yeah. UC and then the IU because even without Michael Penix Jr., they still have a solid offense. And honestly, Georgia's a team that's been playing without a starting quarterback the entire year. Oh, they look bad. Foghorn Leghorn. They yeah. have Foghorn and Leghorn. They finally, I think they finally have JT Daniels playing, who's looked okay. But they They've haven't looked, looked great. And like Georgia's shown, they can even beat a decent Wisconsin team with basically no offense. Right. They've shown that they can battle back against Ohio State, even when they're, you know, even Penix looked terrible in the first quarter and they were mm-hmm. able to battle back. So they've shown that they're, I mean, they're just a good team. Like maybe they're not a top four team. No, but, but if someone put IU at the end of the year, if someone put IU in a New Year's Eve bowl or even like a high level bowl, I'd probably watch Indiana because I just like to watch Indiana football. I think they're oh, yeah. good to watch. And Georgia, Georgia. kind of makes me want. I turn think they would the beat Georgia if that was the bowl game. I think they'd beat oh, Georgia. They'd be, Georgia yeah, can't think they can't, can't move them. the ball at no. all. And Georgia is a good defense, but they and can't that move I, the ball. That IU defense is very good, so I don't think they. Would they move yeah, the they're very. They're a very well-rounded team. I just that was. Disrespectful. Uh, two losses. Two I know. losses. Two. Uh, 
the highest ranked two loss team in the country too. I think we could dig through and find a better two loss team too. That's that's what's shocking to me than Georgia. Yeah, and I mean you look once again, you look at a lot of these teams. The SEC just gets once again all the bias in the world and you look at oh, it, yeah. it's like you know, if IU had to play Georgia especially put him in the snow or something like that. Oh, that'd you be know, great. Put him I'd in love to, I'd pay ball, to see that. But yeah. uh IU versus Georgia Especially in a bowl where I don't think, unless it's the playoffs, Kirby Smart's going to have his team ready to play. Tom Allen is going to have his team ready to play. They're going to be jacked every week. Right. And I think IU beats Georgia decently. And just sit on the other one. I I don't have an issue with OSC buying Clemson. I don't. Number of games matters. That's just an extent. It's tough this year. It is. It's tough. I don't don't really. I'm not going to argue with it. I don't. I mean, yeah, I, I don't, I don't want it to be that way. No, I don't either. It, it is that way. Yeah, I and just, I, I hate for teams to. Ohio get State could have been default, uh, almost Corona default, kind you of. Call it. They're just getting. They play. They play more games. And honestly, part of that just comes back to the conference because if exactly. they would have started at a real time and they, they could have. Oh had yeah, to make up some that's what I mean. It's a conference hindrance. That were and if they had seeing the benefits, hats right off now. to IU. But if they had finished that game. The way they had came, you know, after halftime and came right out, they had played a full four quarters. That would have been a real nice win. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just they, if they would have beat good, that IU team by twenty-eight, like they should have, then yeah, I would argue with that. But it was uh, they haven't played four quarters yet. Secondary still a problem. I don't have a problem. It's as long as in the top four. I think that. our I think our listeners uh, got it right most well, of the yeah. time. This well, past be on the lookout. Weeks. Yeah. First and future polls, obviously, as things change, we have a new college football playoff ranking coming out on Tuesday. So be on the lookout at 30 Rack of Sports for uh, potentially worst atrocities or who you think are the top four teams in the nation going forward here at 30 Rack of Sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Columbus Crew defeat the New England Revolution one to nothing. After a 59th minute goal by Artur to go to their first MLS Cup final since 2015, where they fell to actually their current coach, Caleb Porter's Portland Timbers in the finals there. Josh, you and I were flipping between this game and uh, the Crosstown shootout. Overall, maybe a little bit of an uneventful game. We were expecting a little bit more fireworks, but... Uh, the goal there by Artur, uh, some solid sure. saves by Andrew Tarbell, who was filling in for the injured Eloy Room. So overall, a successful game for the crew, but maybe not as exciting as some people would have hoped for. Right, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. You, he was glued to the TV, man. He he wanted every piece of that that uh, oh, yeah. football action. All, all 11 shots on goal. But uh, <laughs> no, I thought... It, I thought that goal perfectly was a it was a perfect example of how the crew has operated this year. You know, a great ball in uh, into the attacking third from the wing, and then Zellerion puts the creative spin on it. Boom! Right there, one 0 lead late in the game. Yeah, uh, Zellerion over to the Mensa, who takes it back up to Artur, up to the promised land. Uh, pretty even game all along. Uh, the crew just had a little bit more of that creative touch at the end, a little bit better defense. And that's one of the things you can see is last year they were great on defense with Zach Steffen, you know, between the posts. Not a whole lot of creativity to get the ball up to, uh, you know, Zardes and the rest of the team. 
but this year they spent the money in the right places. They got a proper number 10 in Zillow Ryan from Mexico, uh, you know, got healthy on the sides with Santos, and they were able to show a complete game, maybe not the most high-scoring game. I know a lot of the other... These last two playoff games have actually been, you know, pretty uneventful. You know, last game was a scoreless draw until extra time. This game only a 1-0 game. But they've shown they can play solid defense, but then also have the creativity to get them over the line. Right, and and even today, I think that, uh, they were just edged in possession. I think it was 43-47. Uh, um, and, you know, that that creativeness in the midfield is what kept the ball on the attacking third for Columbus. While they didn't necessarily win in possession, they held on in the attacking third. They uh, created nine corners for themselves, 16 shots on goal, or 16 shots, seven of them on goal. So I think they, you know, they played well when they needed to. Uh, do they have, do they have uh, the health? to get to the MLS championship game and hang with Seattle or Minnesota who play tomorrow, uh, Monday night, nine 30. I don't know. I think you'll need more than one goal to uh, beat either of them. So, yeah, but so far, you know, they've lost, they have some injuries to their, you know, uh, defensive midfield and their back line. Obviously, most importantly, Eloy room is still in, uh, COVID protocol. So they injured, uh, Tarbell, who made a big save on uh, Gustavo Boo in the second minute of stoppage time, and then also a huge save late in stoppage time. You know, five minutes of stoppage time. Usually then, you know, especially in the playoffs, the Rebs were going all out. Some big saves on both ends, you know, both him and then Turner on the on the Rebs side, but the crew able to just edge them out, and that's what you have to do at this point. It's not about looking pretty. It's not about putting a full game together. It's about getting one more goal than the other team, and that's what they were able to do today. Right. Uh, I'm curious to see Minnesota, the uh, four seed in the Western Conference, Seattle, and defending MLS champions, uh, the two-seed Sounders. So we'll see what happens Monday night. Uh, that's 9.30 on, on Fox or FS1 or something like that. Uh, <laughs> FS1. Gonna, FS1, thank you. Um <laughs> But yeah, I'm curious to see how this how this plays out in the championship game because I do think I do think the crew will need a little more firepower than one goal to take on Seattle or Minnesota. But I mean, the one thing that you've been that's been completely true about this entire you know playoffs has been just chaos. Oh yeah, you know, right now the two semifinals were the two seed versus the four seed. Uh, you know, on the eastern side, Columbus was the three seed. And New England was actually the eighth seed, upsetting Philadelphia. They were and a playing team. Yeah, they were a playing team that won their playing game, then beat the one seed, Philadelphia Union, beat the four seed, uh, Orlando City FC, got their way here. Uh, Minnesota was the four seed. They've beaten both opponents, including the one seed, Sporting Kansas City, three to nothing. So they could certainly be a difficult team to deal with. Seattle's been a team that, you know, won the championship last year, have a lot of experience. And I think the one thing that is nice to have is, you know, December 12th, so next Saturday at 8 o'clock, championships at least coming to Columbus, so at least you have that on your side. Right, yeah, it'll be be here in the state capital. So we'll have the uh, whole, whole state behind them, 
next weekend. But yeah, I, I think I like their chances better against Seattle, even though they're defending champions. They'll be hungry if they make it. Minnesota's got a lot of firepower up front, so we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we will definitely see going into the MLS championship. Josh, quick thoughts before we go. Do you think the crew have what it takes to win? I think they do. I think they have uh, the pieces in the midfield to do it. Uh, I'd like to see room back, but I don't know if that's going to happen um, for end goal. Uh, it'll be close. It'll be an exciting uh, championship game. Zach, what about you? You think the crew can get it done as the uh, as the top soccer guy we have on the uh, show? Sure, yeah. Yeah, they got you to drink <laughs> a cold 45 tonight, so you're, you're all I'm all in. All in for the crew, December 12th, 8 o'clock p.m., Columbus Crew, let's take it home for the second championship in the crew's history. We are to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of 30 Rack Sports. We were uh, off last week, but back and better than ever this week, of course. So ready to get things rolling as uh, football rolls into the playoffs in both the college and the pros. The MLB hot stove starts to heat up with winter meetings starting soon. Maybe. And... Uh, College basketball gets college basketball and the pros get going here soon. So, guys, uh, we're going to get into our cheers. Josh, do you have anybody that you're cheersing tonight? Cheersing to the podcast. It's been uh, going on near a month since we had all three of us here for the podcast. So, I'm glad that our man Zach is back and that uh, we're all here doing our thing. We've got a great schedule coming up in December. A lot of, a lot of good sports stuff happening, and a lot of good beers. Yep, that's true. That's so true. Uh, hopefully, Zach, you'll get to enjoy beers with us <laughs> next time instead of the wonderful Code 45. It was delicious. Zach, who are you choosing this week? Uh, besides you two. Been great. Uh, yeah, sorry to miss some time. Uh, appreciate it. But um, I'm going to choose uh, the greatest quarterback on the face of the planet right now. And Aaron Rodgers. Wow, Baker Mayfield. It is uh, <laughs> 400th. Quickest quarterback in NFL history of 400 touchdowns, 193 games, 12 less than the previous, which was uh, Drew Brees. So, congrats, A-Rod. Wow. As an owner, I just felt like wow, I did. Congrats. I should, you know, you know, for my player. Uh, <laughs> so, for me, cheers. And this obviously hurts a little bit for me because it goes against, you know, I could have been a third-generation Cleveland State Viking. But my cheers goes to Southeast Ohio and the Ohio Bobcats. For setting an NCAA record, 40 to nothing scoring run versus the Cleveland State Vikings in a 101-46 win on Sunday. Uh, Outscored the Vikings 50 to 21 in the second half with a 35 to nothing scoring run to start the second (laughs) half. So 40 to nothing in total. So shout out to the Bobcats. Uh, Hopefully keep it up because... Yeah, we always love a little bit of uh, action, action, making some action, action basketball. Though, that's the thing. Max legit in basketball, football. It's like high school kind of Bobcats, plus. But uh, Bobcats setting a record. Uh, Golden yeah. Flash is taking hey, 15 ranked Virginia. Wasn't overtime. that long ago that the Bobcats made a Sweet 16 run? So let's not get too yeah, crazy. 2012, yeah, 2012. So, so. Uh, you love to see them action, make some action in March. So Definitely. we'll see if they can make some action in March. But the one thing that we're sure. That 30 Rack is going to make some action in March. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another new edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Peace.